You're listening to the Jay and Dan Podcast. Brought to you by our friends at McDonald's. Dance. Dance. It is the Jay and Dan Podcast for... Stuff. What's the date? I don't even know. I'm like Dan right now. July 27th, the week of July 27th. July 27th. What a week it's going to be because stuff this week of television shows at home. We are back in studio doing the TV show as of this Sunday, August the 2nd. That'll be the second day of NHL action as the players return to action in the hub cities. So we'll go back to our Sunday to Thursday format. So if you watch us in the morning, you can see us Monday to Friday. It's perfect. And we're going to have all those highlights for you. But we had, to return to, yeah, we, had to, we had to return to studio to be able to do all those highlights. And I have to say, I am just ecstatic stuff. But you and I trying to set up just this Zoom call. And I, by you and I, I mean just me. Uh, so stressful for me. I'm very excited to get back in studio. And just leave all the technical stuff in the hands of, of smart people like yourself. That's a, that's a hell of a plan. We'll see if it works. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, uh, thanks to everybody who gave us such great feedback on our show last week. Tom Green, Nabil Kareem, they were amazing. And um, Nabil uh, was so fantastic, so entertaining. Everyone loved the, the bear, the frightened of bear stories. But... Um, of course, we're going to get to uh, our guest this week. We're going to have one guest and one guest only. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Remember last week, we were trying to get Mike Toth and Don Taylor or one or the other. You'll find out very soon who, who that guest is, who decided to answer our call. But uh, first, I wanted to talk about a broadcaster who sadly passed away uh, this past weekend at the age of 88, Regis Philbin. Regis Philbin, legendary American broadcaster, Notre Dame alum has passed away, and uh, I had, you know, I feel like all the obituaries were focusing on who wants to be a millionaire, and I understand it was a late career triumph for Reach, but, you know, the guy did so much more and has been on TV for so long and just a consummate professional broadcaster, and as you guys may know, when Dan and I went to Fox in 2013, Regis joined the same network we went to, uh, Fox Sports 1. And at the time, I think everybody at Fox and everyone who was working there and really everyone around the country was asking the same question, is Regis desperate for cash? Because that seemed like a not a good move for Regis. But what I really think it came down to was it was ageism. You know, nobody wanted to hire Regis. He still had, uh, he still felt he had something to contribute. And, uh, and so Regis was added to a, a Fox show called Crowd Goes Wild. Uh, with Wall Street Journal host Jason Gay and um, oh uh, Georgie Binks, I think. George, I, no, that's Julie Stewart Binks' mom. I can't remember who's on Crowd Goes Wild. The important thing was Regis was on it, and uh, he was great. I mean, he, you know, it was funny because the only sports he really cared about were the Dame football. So it was weird that he would be on a daily sports talk show. But when they would have prominent guests on and Regis would sort of take the wheel in terms of interviewing, he was spectacular. And we were lucky enough to meet Regis, Dan and myself. They had sort of a symposium, a Fox symposium at the Terranea Resort in Palos Verdes, beautiful Palos Verdes, just south of Los Angeles 
they brought all the FS1 people in there, sort of a rah-rah moment, uh, beautiful resort. And Reed just shows up. He's wearing a white suit and just looks like a million bucks and just kind of commands the room, right? Everyone wanted to meet Regis and get a picture taken with Regis. And he was so kind and so sweet. He pretended to know who we were. Um, I had someone with him at all times, you know, kind of like uh, on Veep uh, when Tony Hale would whisper in Julia Louis Dreyfus's ear, you know, like whenever she'd go up to someone she didn't really know who it was, he would tell her who it was so she wouldn't, you know, feel stupid. I think someone was doing that for Reed, but he was sensational. And the other thing that Reed did is he willingly participated in a, uh, in a feud with us in the early days of our show and the Crowd Goes Wild show. So we're gonna set this up uh, for you. Uh, this, is, uh, this is the beginning of the feud. Let's take a listen to this one stop. You know, Dan, Monday, Crowd Goes Wild made its debut on Fox Sports 1, starring our close personal friend and broadcast mentor, Regis Philbin. I can't wait to hear what he had to say. All I've been hearing about lately is Jay and Dan. Jay and Dan. <laughs> I was on TV when Jay and Dan were tapping maple trees up in Canada in short pants. <laughs> Google my name, you get seven million results. <laughs> Walk Hollywood Boulevard, look down! There's Regis again! Do you want to give that another go? You want an Emmy? Take one of mine. <laughs> <laughs> you want a piece of me? You got to talk to my friend Trevor yeah. about that. <laughs> Not just short pants, Reed, denim. All right, so. Pants. What an honor to be uh, called out by a legend. But there's uh, one more thing we notice about the first Crowd Goes Wild show on Monday. Buddy? I had a disastrous dinner. Saturday <laughs> night, Joy and I like to go to this restaurant, Valbella. Mm -hmm. We've been going there 15 years. We love it. And we have our own little table. So, Regis, you were out to dinner Saturday at a restaurant with a tiny table. That's when our show made its debut. You didn't even bother to stay home and watch, Regis? Uh, it should be pointed out, it was at 11 p.m. in New York, so essentially three hours past uh, Regis' bedtime. Regis' bedtime. Regis'. So there you go. Um, Regis doesn't even bother to watch our show, but uh, then he decides to try to sort of make amends, and he invites us on The Crowd Goes Wild via satellite. So we're in Los Angeles. He's in New York. And we show up for our shift three hours early so that we could be on Regis's show, and this is what happened. Hey, Reg, I don't know if you watched Fox Sports Live last night. I didn't see we it, no. have massively messed up. We've made two Canadians really, really angry. Oh, those two guys? We have made them really, really angry because we bumped them off the show last night. We ran out of time. We bumped them off the show. This is their reaction. What a day it's been earlier Tuesday. Jay and I, we were actually invited to appear on Crowd Goes Wild here on Fox Sports 1. Now, you may have heard there's been some bad blood between us and Regis Philbin, so we're actually really delighted to appear on his show and clear the air. Let's check out some of the highlights of our appearance. <laughs> we got bumped? <laughs> wow. We're great. We came in early for so this? We came in, we came in three hours early, well and we got bumped. <laughs> I, oh, no. I mean, probably, probably, Regis, we should apologize. You should apologize on behalf of all of us. <sighs> Absolutely allow me to apologize. <laughs> hey, guys, things like that happen, getting bumped off a show in this business. I know, I know, Jay and Dean, big in Canada, everybody laughing all the time. Big deal. It's a little different here. 
this is America. Land of the free and home of the bumped. <laughs> you know how many times Regis has been hung out to dry on a live satellite feed or sat in Letterman's green room while he rambled on about the squirrels in Central Park? <laughs> never. It never happened because I'm Regis. What yeah. 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 for you? But for you two, getting bumped by Regis is like a badge of honor. <laughs> Wear it with pride, don't be sad. One day, maybe, Regis will call you. And then again, maybe Regis won't. <laughs> <laughs> don't count on it. You want a feud? You got it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Know, I'm tired of these guys <laughs> yeah. complaining about me. That was pretty special stuff. That was awesome. It was a pretty special moment. Dan, sorry, Jay and Dean, as he called you. Jay and Dean. Jay and Dean. Oh, and then one more thing uh, before we bring in our guest. Uh, very quickly, we got a shout out on the Howard Stern show uh, on Monday. Well, but let me just wrap up with Regis by saying he was wonderful. He, he then sent us, uh, to make up for the feud, he sent us an apple pie and a Texas Mickey of Jack Daniels, the most American gift we'd ever received. Uh, apple pie and a Texas Mickey of Jack Daniels for each Dan and myself. And uh, they were delicious too. So I guess my point is, wonderful guy. Rest in peace, Regis. Thank you so much for being kind to us when you really didn't have to be. And there's really a lesson to be learned there. He was a, he played ball. He played, he came to play. You know what I mean, Stop. Yeah. He came to play. He, he, was, uh, he was way above us. He was a way bigger star than we will ever be. And yet he was willing to, to come to play because he wanted the network to work out. And, um, and I will never forget that. I always remember that kind of thing, that kind of generosity, because not everybody has been so generous in our career. And the other thing I wanted to mention was Howard Stern uh, did give us a shout out on Monday. And uh, let's go to that really quickly so we can fit that in. Uh, on Canada's Sports Network, TSN, Jay and Dan of Sports Center brought up Baba Buhai while talking about professional golf coming back. Here you go. So, Dan, I guess the only question now that we know the PGA is returning this week and you can see the third and final rounds of the Charles Schwab this Saturday and Sunday on TSN. I guess the only question I have, Dan, is will the players have to yell Baba Booey at themselves on the tee? <laughs> good Howard Stern reference. Um, yeah, good question. Good question. Good question. <laughs> Uh, I think uh, we made Robin giggle slightly there. So that's that's an accomplishment. That's something. We'll take it. Yeah, Howard Stern. We are huge Howard Stern fans. So just to make that little segment where they, you know, throw to news people and they're doing stuff, that's that's a pretty cool thing. So, yeah, it's, it's been a wild weekend. A lot of emotion. Everything's all over the map, right? You know what I mean, Stuff. Absolutely. I mean, it's you got the Regis thing. And that was sort of heartbreaking because we, we love that guy. And then you got the Stern thing. Um, that was exciting. But the thing I wanted to mention is our guest this week is, um, is exciting because last week, you may remember, Nabil Kareem talked about the fact that his career was heavily influenced by Don Taylor uh, in Vancouver. In fact, more than that, he said Don Taylor was the person who made him want to become a sportscaster. And I think for a lot of people who grew up in Vancouver, 
uh, that would absolutely have been the case that Don would have been the guy who would have influenced them the most for sure. Um, hosted sports page from, uh, 1985 to 2000, then went over to Sportsnet and hosted, uh, Sportsnet's, uh, highlight show, which changed names. I think it was, uh, what was it at first? It was, it was sports central. And then it was, uh, it was Sportsnet connected. And then I think it was, uh, Sportsnet central. And now I, and then I think it was Sportsnet news. And then it was, uh, the S pack. Yo, yo, it's the S pack. There were a lot of different names, but Donnie hosted that for another 15 years. And now he's doing a great job on the radio TSN 1040 in Vancouver. Uh, is he with us now, Stav? Is he here? I believe so. I, I just don't think we have a visual, but I believe he's joining. here. Don, Donnie, you're there? Yes, I'm here. Donnie, how are you? We don't, can you turn your camera on? We can't see you. Okay, hang on a second. because the video is off. There we go. This is a uh, share video. There you are. There yes. Go. How are you, my friend? It's great to see you. Yeah, uh, very good to see you, uh, Jay. You know, it's it's funny. I, I saw your book in chapters the other day. Uh, we, oh, you've wow. got like four or five books, right? Yeah, I've got at least, I think there's only two, but it feels like, it took so many years off my life writing them, Don, that it feels like four or five. <laughs> I, I hear you. <laughs> anyway, I got to the chapter where you mentioned our broadcast location here um, at, with, with Sportsnet, and you had some really nice... Nice things to say about me and our show, and I, I really appreciate it. It was a complete coincidence. I couldn't believe it. Well, I, I sincerely mean it, and I and I just I'm so excited to have you on. And I don't know if you heard me talking about Nabil Kareem. Yeah, we had Nabil on last week. Uh, good Vancouver boy, grew up in Vancouver, grew up watching you, and said you were the number one influence on his career, on his decision to be a sportscaster. And I wondered to myself, how often do you hear that uh, from young mm -hmm. people in Vancouver? Well, it's especially, uh, it, it's really gratifying, and I appreciate those those words. Uh, Nabil's 60 now, so it kind of makes <laughs> me feel a little bit uh, old. So uh, I, I, I hear, you know, you, I don't know if you're at that stage now where you're you're getting uh, this a lot, but um, I, I, I get the I grew up watching you uh, phrase uh, a lot. And, you know, you're, you're, you're definitely um, honored uh, about that, but also – um, kind of pissed off because you realize it means you're really getting old. But I appreciate Nabil's words. And we've got friends who are teachers who uh, were at work, work out at Ladner who remember Nabil from when he was a student. So wow, he's just that's great. Great. It's, great to hear, it's great to hear that. And, and I know exactly what you mean because uh, Dan and I, uh, when we were put on the late night shift and then uh, we would loop in the morning, I, and I've said this before, our boss at the time, Mark Miliere's whole goal was to get uh, young kids watching us in the morning and then have us watch us throughout their high school years. And then when they went off to college and they were drinking and they got home at night, then watch us at night, you know, so that there would be this gradual evolution as yeah. they grew up. And it worked. It absolutely yeah. worked because I get the same thing every day. People saying that they grew up with me, which is a, a wonderful thing. But I, I wanted to go back to when you first got hired at sports page, mm -hmm. um, you know what did you ever imagine at the time that it would evolve into such a legendary program in, in the Vancouver area no I, I'm from uh, Vancouver from North Burnaby um, home of Joe Sackick uh, the recently departed Jack McElhargy Cliff Ronning you know I'm really proud to, to, to uh, uh, be from there I went up north I went up uh, to Dawson Creek in 1979 
uh, made my way to Red Deer. I think you're from Alberta, Jay, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I, I, loved, yeah. I loved it there. I was just happy to get back to Vancouver. I didn't have right. any um, any thought that I was going to be joining a, a show that uh, was going to evolve into a legend or that uh, people would watch me. I was just so happy to be back in Vancouver. Um, having said that, I loved my time up north. I could have stayed up there. So I never had any dreams that would evolve into what it evolved. And I certainly didn't think I'd end up, you know, on a national broadcast or anything like that. So uh, everything's been been a bonus. And then when you started, so when you were in Red Deer, for example, or Dawson yeah. Creek, were you already developing uh, sort of a, a style or did it happen? Because people always say that to Dan and, and I, mm -hmm. like, how did you, did you plan it? And it was like, we planned nothing. Everything happened naturally. Was it the same uh, with you guys? Very much the same way. Jay, I didn't do TV in Red Deer. I just did, actually, the only TV I did in Red Deer, I did a, a little bit in Dawson Creek. And you know what? It's like I, I got hired in Dawson Creek as a news radio newscaster. And, you know, every, you know what it's like up there. Uh, or any small market at the time, people leave left and right. So I just became a disc jockey. And after you right. know, a couple of months after that, I became sports director, which wasn't a big deal because there was one person in the sports department. You know, they called <laughs> me sports director, gave me $400 a month, and I was happy. Uh, so nice. uh, uh, there was that. But I I don't know. I, I just I think one day I just said to myself, after, you know, watching myself on television for a couple of months that, you know, the best guys have something. The best guys have their own style. They're not copying anybody's style. Uh, they're not monotone. They're not overly serious. I'm talking about sports here. I just thought, you know what? Um, I just want to try something different, something that nobody's doing and see, see what works. Uh, because the best guys have something that's a signature of theirs. Jay, you and Dan do. I watch you every night. You, you have your style. I don't think it's – you're not mimicking anybody. And I think that's what you have to do in order to separate yourself. So I remember just one night saying to myself, you know, I have to do something different. I know all these silly phrases that my dad used to use and my friends and my brothers. And why not incorporate that into, into, uh, into a show? Try to be unique. Try to be something different. Don't try to be, or don't try to be safe. Don't go out there and be safe. Do something that's a little bit different. Separate yourself. And you were, uh, you know, when you start in 85, you go to 2000 with Sports Page. That was just a magical time in television because the audience needed the information that you were giving them, right? Like the internet was not widely available. Even in 2000, it was sort of like, okay, yeah, you got it. But yeah. not, everyone, not everyone had phones on their disposal, right? And not everybody had the internet on the phone. So you were genuinely not only entertaining people, but you're giving them information they needed at the time. Yeah, nobody had devices at the time, Jay. Nobody had had nobody had computers, or a lot of people didn't have computers at the time. The internet was—I can't even remember the timeline here. Was it around then? I'm not sure, but we were it. <laughs> you know, we were we were it. We'd come out of our caves, you know, roll the wheel over, gather around the fire, and have ourselves a show. And people had to wait. And I often get this uh, from people in Vancouver: Would the show work again if it came back? And my answer is I would love to see it and there'd be an opportunity there. I think but people aren't going to wait around till 11 o'clock anymore. People want things right now. It's right. the way our world has evolved. I'd love it if it worked again. I just don't know if it, if it would. Things are so different right now. And you, do you, okay, well, before we get into that, I want to go back to when you got hired by Sportsnet. So the, the legend around the TSN world, <laughs> is that TSN 
try to lure you into our fold before mm -hmm. the sports that thing happened. Is that, can you confirm that for us? Yes. My, I, I've, I've golfed at Capilano golf course in Vancouver, in West Vancouver, very posh area once. And that was with a combination of Mike Day from yes. TSN. Yes, my first boss trying, there. Who was trying to lure me, David Pratt, and former oh, Vancouver Canuck, Bill McCult. That was our first <laughs> day. So you can understand why I didn't come over. <laughs> they sent but it was, it was a great day of golf. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's... Uh, Dave Pratt McCult. Yeah. Now, at the time, did they, I assume, at the time, did they want you to move out or did they propose the, the West Coast desk sort of format at the time? I believe it was the West Coast desk format. Dave Randorf was already doing, um, can I say that name? Dave Randorf yeah, was already yeah. <laughs> was already doing uh, the Pacific Bureau. I think Farhan was out there, uh, uh, was out here. Pratt was doing uh, something as well. Dave was doing, I always call him Pratt. Yeah. One of last those last call. name guys, um, but David was doing something. He was doing last call. His talk show that, was incredible. That's right, with the, with the <laughs> Afghan rug. Uh, <laughs> do you remember that? And the saxophone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, stop. We have to find that. I'm just yelling at my producer. Oh. We have to find the, the last call intro. It was, oh, cool. it was wow. I think Dave played sax on it himself. <laughs> and he couldn't play sex. It was, it was amazing. Uh, and, and they tried to get me out. And uh, I think at the time, sports page matched the offer. So it was kind of a no-brainer right. for me to stay. Right. And then uh, 2001 happens. You go to So what made you ultimately decide to make the jump to Sportsnet in 01? Well, well, I'll tell you what. The, I eventually, I, I think I, I saw sort of saw the writing on the wall with, with sports page and decided to move on, you know, that, that the local broadcast might not uh, last. Uh, so I decided to move on. And I spent a year doing uh, a radio talk show at CKNW. Uh, right. It was radio giant. Uh, and, I, and I just hated it. So, right. <laughs> so unlike when I got the offer from sports uh, from TSN, I, I was leaving a job that I hated. So it was, it was, it was, it was a little bit easier to do that way. Right, right, right. No, well, so Scott, with the Scott, NW Scott Moore was really good at throwing a lot of money around, as a lot of people know. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Now, um, the NW show was at a because uh, CKNW is like a all talk, right? Were you, yeah. were you doing a sports talk show on CKNW? Yes. Or yeah, okay. Yeah, so yeah. at the time, you were just like, no, not for me. Got to get back to TV, and yeah. here comes Scott, and and off you go. Now. Well, so I was, I was, I think, 39, 40 at the time. So I felt I still had some time on TV. And maybe I made that radio move a little too quick. So um, right, it, was a, right. it was an overrated at the time. And, and so when you, I have to tell you, when you, because you were such a legend in the Vancouver market that your legend grew that we knew of you, but a lot of us hadn't seen you. So mm -hmm. when, you know, a lot of us who didn't grow up in Vancouver. So then uh, we get to see you on on the SPAC, as you used to call it, and I still call it in your honor, um, as, as the, the SPAC. And it was really something because you were you were different than I expected. And I liked you more than I thought I would because you were yourself. You were truly yourself. And I could sense it right away, almost like a kindred spirit. I could mm. sense it. Yeah, well, you're in the minority, Jay. Um, 
<laughs> you know, you'd, you'd get a lot of uh, emails and texts back then, whatever, again, my memory's foggy here, whatever you got back then. And a lot of people from the East just didn't get what I was doing. And there were a lot of old time references and stuff like that that I got. Right. I think I was just a, a little bit different and, and, and uh, kind of in your face and hopefully in a, in a good way for a lot of people. But a lot of people didn't like it. But I think what they didn't like more than anything was, and again, I don't get me wrong. I spent 13, 14 years there. It was, for the most part, really good. But a lot of people didn't like that, um, even though the, the sports cast started at 10 o'clock, we would lead with the Canucks. Or of we would leave with the BC Lions. So there are a lot of people back east watching a national broadcast that didn't like that. And I, I understand that. It, it was something that they, they weren't used to and they didn't grow up with. So uh, I was the face of, of uh, a national sports cast leading with the Canucks on a nightly <laughs> basis. And, and a lot of people that didn't like that. So when I was coming up what, with all the stuff, they, didn't, they, they liked it even less. But then, you know, people could say, you know, we're leading with the Leafs every night. And, um, you, you know, I'm sure people in Vancouver uh, get very frustrated at that very thing. I mean, this country, the sports that model, the initial model of having, you know, you do the Pacific sports cast and having someone do the West sports cast and having something like it, it on paper. It made so much sense to me because this country truly is like six countries when it comes to sports. So true. So, so you true. Know, it, it, it started out well, and I, w I think there were sometimes there was some resistance there where it's like, okay, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. We have a new manager. Let's go in that this direction. And it was different. Then it changed back to the old way and then back, you know this because you're with the competition, and then back to the uh, Eastern way. So it never, it, it could have used a little more focus and a little more right. secludiveness, as the uh, old folks say. Would you say, so you, you make me think of this. Would you say your best experiences as a broadcaster, and I mean right from the beginning to now, have been when one person has a clear vision and is in charge as opposed to a, uh, a bit of a uh, inmates running the asylum situation? Because I find that to be true. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Jay, I was just going to say, it sounds like you know what you're talking about. But don't we think anything in life is better? Like when, when you have one focus and you, maybe it takes uh, people a long, long time to learn that. Maybe they don't learn it at all. But uh, I certainly have just through every avenue of life that if you have a focus, if you just stay centered on something, um, whether it's business or even your personal life, um, it could be better. Do you that's, find... That's do you find now so back then you're you're on every night you're having a great time it's fun but you're in vancouver and your bosses are in toronto i was always curious about that in some ways i feel like that must have been a good thing uh, you know a little separation yes. <laughs> but then did you sometimes feel like you were on a little bit of an island and that maybe you would have loved a little more support uh maybe something in between it was great. Like sometimes you could just d disappear and right. be out of sight, out of mind, which is good. You know, when it comes to bosses, but there were times when maybe there were other people making decisions that were, you know, say beneath the big guys that you knew weren't right. And you could have used a little more support, but again, overall it was a really good experience. I I'll tell uh, you what I did. I tell you what I, and I mean this sincerely too. One thing I really learned and you know, you're a Westerner originally. And yep. I think maybe you can relate to this. I, I went to Toronto a lot and spent a lot of time there in a hotel in, in Yorkville. 
uh, the Marriott. Nice. And, I, and I grew nice. to love, I really grew to love Toronto. I, I kind of got Toronto. I got why people, uh, why so many people love living there. I, re I really got to, uh, to love it to the point where at one point, despite what happened with Mike Day and Capilano and Pratt and McCult all those years earlier, <laughs> I said to my wife, you know, I think I could live there. And I had the chance to move back. And she made the point that, um, she made the point that uh, we wouldn't be living in a downtown hotel near Yorkville. Uh, I implore, <laughs> and I wouldn't be visiting my friends and having lunch every day. Uh, so that was a, it. Was a pretty good point. But I really grew to love Toronto. That was that was one to me. That was uh, one of the I've made a lot of friends. So that was number one. But and some great experiences. But I really grew to like the city. That was important to me. You know what's funny? It's so funny you say that, Dom, because. Like I always tell the story when Dan was in Vancouver, working in Vancouver, mm -hmm. TSN hired him. And for the first month in the newsroom, I would look over and on his computer uh, would be a shot of the Weather Network uh, website. And it would be like uh, Gross Mountain or whatever, yeah. uh, or Whistler, because he missed Vancouver so much. And I used to make fun of him. And But it was the same with everyone who came from Vancouver. Right? They missed the mostly, I think, the aesthetic beauty and, and the weather and everything of the city. And you get to Toronto, you don't initially have that, but uh, but eventually, uh, yeah. it seemed like all the Vancouver guys had the same experience that you did. That eventually they seemed to come to really love the city. I look forward to going there every time I did. I went there, like I say, I went there a lot. I had this little route that I used to walk on my days off, uh, you know, kind of like Steve Martin and the Lonely Guy, by myself <laughs> down down Spadina, down to the waterfront, back up. Uh, Back up Young Street. I had this whole uh, route mapped out through the U of T. And I just loved it. I, I, I stopped being a snobby Vancouverite at that point. So that was definitely. I like a, that. A good I like yeah. that. Do you, do you miss? Um, here's a weird question. Do you get broadcasters, young broadcasters, coming up to you now and asking you for advice? And are you? I, I'm leery now of telling young broadcasters that if they just take a chance and go to the Dawson Creeks of yeah. the world or the red deers of the world they're going to be fine i used to be able to say that with confidence knowing that if you had the work ethic there's going to be something out there for you now do you find because of the demise of the sports pages and the mm -hmm. sports lines there's just not as many avenues for young people to get the experience that you and i got when we were starting up yeah I, it was a different world back then that's where you got your experience but you know jay uh, i don't know what it was like for you but when I went up to Dawson Creek, that was it. The station we had up there was it. They didn't have anything else. Right. But now, you know, through technology, they're at, they can access everything. Uh, there, there, there's cable, <laughs> you know, like for, for starters. There's the internet. There's all of that. Everything is so everything is access. So um, back then, you were kind of it. Now they can watch you in a small market and go, man, compared to that guy on CNN, Don's really bad. So, <laughs> so, and I was, trust me, and I, like a lot of us were in small markets, but we got to be good because there wasn't a whole lot to compare us to. So it's it's a little bit different. And, and Jay, I've been, I really don't know. And maybe you could tell me, I don't know if the jobs are there like they used to be. Yeah. Um, and I do get I asked a lot about it. Yeah, and I, I, still, I still think there's some value uh, if you can get a job in a small market. Uh, to um, get that on experience, to get those hours, like any other job, to get those hours and uh, work your butt off and get better at your craft. 
I still think there's right. some value in that. But again, it's, it's I'm not sure there's many jobs out there. Uh, again, you, you're going to a market where people can compare you to big markets. Uh, that's not always a great thing uh, for, for your ego. But I still think there's value. Um, we all know Rick Ball, uh, who uh, is now Hockey Night in Canada, played by a play broadcaster, works for the right. Calgary Flames. Beautiful beard. For sports, great beard. We're good, good looking beard. He didn't have that when he was here. It was, it was tremendous. Uh, but Rick was one of these guys that uh, went to, I believe it was Kelowna. I believe he was, he was in Nanaimo as well. And there were other young people working in the Vancouver market uh, who didn't go to the small markets. Rick did. This is not that long ago. This is like 15, 20 years ago. And I, I realized times have changed since then, but I'll never forget it. Rick came into this market and zoomed past all those other people. Right. that were in Vancouver doing their first jobs. And he just ripped right past them because he had all that time uh, working in Kelowna. And again, I believe in Nanaimo. So I think there's still some value, but I really haven't been, I, I'm not up on what's available out there, what's out there right now. Well, the other, I think you're hundred percent correct on. And I think the other thing is, is what I always tell people is that if you grow up in Vancouver or you grow up in Toronto, there is such a benefit to going to Dawson Creek or Red Deer or Medicine Hats or Moose Jaw or wherever, just as a person, I think this is a person that makes you a better person, a better broadcaster. It lets you see the country in a little different light, maybe a different perspective. And then you come back. If you want to come back to Vancouver, then you just have this new perspective, right, yeah. on the whole country. Because as I said, this country, there's one thing that we all know as people who've tried to do national shows. It's so hard to please the nation because oh, oh, what, yes. what, right? what plays in Vancouver is not what plays in Regina, is not what plays in Toronto. And no, uh, yeah, if you have a little perspective, it, 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 it sure helps. Well, you said something there about experiencing another city and not just another city, but another province. And, and really, when you're in Vancouver, I, you know, listen, look, it's my hometown. I, I absolutely love it. It's the greatest. All of that. No question about it. But you're in such a different part of Canada, like compared to anything else. Right. First and foremost, weather-wise. Uh, also, you know, I don't think every every city riots after every uh, Stanley Cup <laughs> playoff series. Well, so wait, there's wait that. For Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we'll see what happens. I don't think it would happen there, but uh, here it's different. But it's just so different. I remember Jay. I remember I, again. I grew up in Vancouver. I remember when I went to Dawson Creek and looking at all these weird poles at this parking lot near a bank and thinking to myself, well, "What is going on?" I mean, there are block heaters. <laughs> and it's a Canadian standard, but I didn't know about that. What the heck's going on? And then I remember thinking, watching these people, the first day it got cold in Dawson Creek, wasn't that, that cold. All these people in parkas and mudbucks, I'm thinking to myself, there's no way I will ever look like that. I will never get one of those. I had one in two weeks. Like oh, just, yeah. and, and I look back at it romantically. It was just, it was, it was a great experience to, to go to yeah. a small town uh, to learn about Canada, Northern BC, all of that. I would I recommend it to anybody. And even going to Toronto. I couldn't agree more. Toronto's different. You know, I, I loved it. And, and not just as a broadcaster, but as a person, as a Canadian. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's a great thing. Now, when you started to do radio again for, at the time it was the Team 1040, and now it's TSN 1040, uh, you said you, you weren't wild about your experience at CKNW. What, uh, what changed? What, what was the difference when you went back? The, 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 the difference at NW, you mean? 
or no, at uh, what what made you actually embrace radio those years later when you went to to the Team Ten Forty? Well, I'm looking at my haircut right now, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I made the good. I made a right, the right move getting out of television. I've got a five head going, so so there's that. <laughs> you're part of a great club, my friend, and I'm. <laughs> well, you're not quite. You're not my league yet. Uh, this is the first time I've seen myself like this in a long time, and I'm thinking, yeah, okay, we're good. We're good on radio. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I had done it. Um, what happened with me, Jay, is I gave up the job at NW, went to Sportsnet, and then two years after that, I got a job at TSN 1040. It was called the Team 1040 at the time, but I worked with David Pratt. And let's, you know, let's get serious here. I, Dave is a great broadcaster. It was and always will be in, in, in my mind. So we all did the show together for eight, nine, ten years, whatever it was. And I really grew to not only like radio, but to learn a few things, mostly off day. And I, I was thrown into the fire the first time around. Talk show is a tough gig. It's a way tougher yeah. gig than people think. So I knew oh, yeah. the second time around. And I, I knew uh, what was required in order for me to enjoy it. And it made it a, a whole lot easier and a whole lot more enjoyable. And it was a, and plus, you know, there's the challenge of doing radio versus TV and it is broadcasting. It falls under that category, but you know, this it's, it's a different animal. Radio oh, yeah. is really, really different from television. There are some things that are uh, minuses. There are some, some things that are pluses, but it's just, it's just different. And, and for a lot of television people, we think because we're TV people that we can just march into anything. Heck, mm-hmm. we got you know, a guy running the country uh, down South. He's a TV right. guy. Right. <laughs> so he, you know, he, he, you you go into radio and you think it's going to be easy because you're a big shot TV personality, and it's just way different. It's yeah. you know, I don't think, I, I think you have the ability to overcome the fear of being a broadcaster, of being on the air, but it's just a different animal, just a different animal. And you were used to doing half hour highlight shows. And yeah. then you're doing three hour rate, like just the yeah. volume of content that you're automatically doing is exhausting in a way. Right. Oh, oh definitely. And, and, you know, um, you have a partner, which is, which is good, but it, it is, it can be really uh, exhausting and you have to be prepared um, to, to the point where you're, you're so prepared that maybe you're only using 10% of your preparation, but you're really glad you have all that preparation so, right. so there's that. It's just different. And things happen instantly. Sometimes, and then sometimes you have to, you know, recognize when a conversation needs to be extended. Sometimes things don't work. Whereas in television, you know, you know, there's a lot of it scripted. A lot of it's scripted. Yeah. You have to be creative. You have to come up with that script. But in radio, it's a little more loosey-goosey. But loosey-goosey isn't always, isn't always easy. It's probably tougher. I think like for you, the way you did TV and the way we do TV, probably pretty similar. So scripted because you got 22 minutes or you got 53 minutes. Everything's got to fit into that time. And we're, you and I were probably as loosey goosey as TV guys got. And it was yeah. still pretty tight, right? It was still yeah, radio. You got that. You know, it's the same with this podcast. We can just talk and talk and it's, it's great in that way, but radio, I think, is tougher than a podcast because, again, there is a format to it, right? Mm. There's a format that you have to follow. Yeah, and I think what people don't realize, let me get sort of almost contradict myself here, but with, with television, and you know this, and I know people hear about it all the time, 
with television, one of the real difficulties, especially at the national level, is having somebody in your ear and you have to hit a time and you have to um, talk while somebody's counting you down and you have to hit that time or, or thereabouts. So that's that, that's really, uh, uh, really difficult. But I, I think you said a word earlier that really, as I get back to radio here, that really hits home. That's volume just with radio. Uh, we're doing four hours now and it's it's a lot. And we've done yeah. five, five and a half hour shows on a regular basis as well. And it's, it's a lot. And, and so, sometimes it's, you, you have, just have to realize that it's okay to repeat things. Um, there's just little tricks of the trade that you learn through the years, but it's way more difficult than I think most people think. It's certainly more difficult than what I thought when I first got into it. I thought it was going to be easy and it's not. And you mentioned at the, the David Pratt, uh, giving him the compliment of calling him a great broadcast. I think that's a very kind thing to say. And I think that's very true. Now I think he's such a legend at TSN uh, yeah. for um, being our Vancouver bureau chief for so many years and possibly uh, going to the shark club a lot yeah. and, and all awesome. these wonderful, yeah, all these wonderful stories about David. So such an interesting guy and yeah, you guys had great chemistry, but you also had some moments where they got a little contentious sometimes, but I actually like that. Because it, mm -hmm. to me, it's it's kind of real. Is it, would that be safe to say? It's oh, kind of oh a real. Oh god, yeah. Well, there's we had. I don't know if, if you have it available, but um, we uh, Dave and I had a big argument about poker. Um, it's famous. You were that's right. You were anti, and he was pro. No, I, I I'm not. I'm not anti. My dad was a big poker player. You know, my mom was still alive. You, you can ask her. Stay out for three nights in a row. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so no, I'm not anti poker, but. Dave was, uh, and it made for great radio, and it wasn't fake. Some people thought we faked it. Dave felt that um, when Tom Watson, I don't know what year it is, but when he finished second at the British Open, leading into the fourth round at the age of 60, that that was an amazing physical accomplishment. Right up there with right. Chris Chelios playing in the playoffs at 46 and, you know, um, Jordan Blanda playing in the NFL. And then right. he mentioned Doyle Brunson. He thought <laughs> at the World Series of Poker at the age of 75, and I disagreed with him. I'm like, right, right. I'm sorry you had me right up until the poker guy. Well, for whatever reason, I, I hit a I hit a sore spot with Dave, and he just went off on me. And then we went right. back and forth, and I compared poker to I compared poker to playing fish with the kids and and folding laundry, and he, he didn't like that. He's, he actually threw down his headset and left the studio, and it was a pretty oh, man moment but it was you know it, it kind of made our show it was right, real too. right he wasn't a fan of mine at the time but i think that's but when he did eventually leave it was more of a contract dispute would you do you oh, think yeah. you guys would have kept kept going do you think you would have kept yeah. it going had he not had those issues yeah yeah i do, yeah. Uh, I, do. Yeah. I mean uh it was a, we had a great thing going and things just didn't work out contract wise or I don't know the whole situation, but it didn't work out, but it was a lot of fun working with Dave. Like you say, he's, he, he's legendary. Yes, he's he a, is. A real character. And you know, Jay, uh, I, I think we're at a stage right now where I think broadcasting needs more characters like Dave. Yes. I wish yes. he was still. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I wish he was still. It's almost like uh, he, this may sound strange, but when he was our Vancouver bureau chief, it was almost yeah. like, he, his skills were not being put to correct use there. And not to, that's not to diminish anything that our Vancouver bureau chief, Orhan Lalji, does. In fact, he does an amazing job. 
Mm-hmm. But Farhan is a, when I think of Farhan, I think he's a journalist. He's a yes. serious yeah. journalist. And that's exactly what he should be doing. Whereas David, I always thought, you know, and he hosts David thinks he's a serious journalist. Right. He thinks he is, but he's a personality. As you yeah, said. he is. I mean, no, I, I, well, that's a great way to put it. There's that, you know, those, those categories there. There's the serious journalist. And then I think there's the entertainment guys. Right. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, and I think I fall in the I fall in the latter category. So does Dave. I think I, I'm pretty sure that you you and uh, Dan uh, fit in that that category. And yeah, maybe they could have made more use of Dave. I don't know exactly how that way, but you you said something that I I believe you said this, and I feel the same way that people always ask me, you know, who your favorite sportscasters were growing up or play by play guys, and I always liked the guys who were a little offbeat, John McKeechee out here in Vancouver. I liked uh, Howard Cosell. I liked Danny Gallivan, very, very different. But even beyond that, I think the guys who really influenced me and a lot of people, even as a sportscaster, were David, David Letterman, uh, Johnny right. Carson. I, right. I, I love those guys uh, in, in this way. First of all, they were just so smooth and they didn't care what, what, what people think. But they were at their best. And it, look, we just lost another person like that on the weekend, Regis Gilman. <laughs> yep. At his best, they were at their best when things were completely screwed up and they had made a million mistakes and they were able to roll with it and make people laugh. And I think Dave was like that. Dave Pratt. Oh, well, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the thing that always struck me about Letterman and the reason he's my ultimate hero is that you watch Johnny Carson he was smooth, right? He's, mm-hmm. he's just a smooth Nebraskan, you know, like, like the everyman, Absolutely. the middle America guy. And then Dave comes along and he's also a Midwestern guy, but he's different. He's totally self-deprecating. He's on air making fun of how bad he is. <laughs> and it's all warts and all the fourth wall, right? He's sending his stage hand. He's saying Beth yeah. Anderson oh. of the world series. And he's, oh. He, really? does, he didn't like the polish, right? He, it, was, it was Johnny without the polish. And mm-hmm. I, I appreciated tearing away that fourth wall a little bit and showing you exactly what TV was all about. And then, of course, just his inc- incredible wit. But I think it's, it's funny because in our country, uh, I, I think one of the reasons we didn't have talk shows is because we didn't have producers. We couldn't afford producers. <laughs> So we didn't have guests and we couldn't afford producers. So it was like someone like David who did last call, like as much as we're making fun of it, it's like, okay, this is probably format that should have worked yeah. for David, right? It, yeah. it, it's a chance for him to do a talk show and really show his personality. But I think ultimately it was probably produced remotely and it was probably yeah. not, you know, it was, low right? budget. It, Let's be it was low budget. Yeah, it was low budget and it just probably didn't, uh, fit him the way it probably should. And, you know, you bring up, um, you know, guys rolling with the punches. I always remember going to the newsroom at TSN at my very first time in 1996 and Landsberg was doing sports desk at the time. And I remember asking him like, you know, what do you do when the prompter goes down? And he was, he was literally like, this is that's my greatest moment. That's what I shine. He yeah. loved it. He craved it. He craved mistakes because he wanted to show the, the country how easily he could handle it. Oh my God! That is, and, and you know, look, I, I think that right now I don't want to rip into the kids. I don't want to sound like an old man, but there's a lot of cookie cutter uh, uh, out there. That was one guy who was a character too. Uh, oh yeah, and, and, and he's done so many great things for uh, for people, and we all know his causes and and what he's done as a broadcaster as well. But um, I, I just 
I couldn't agree more. You almost look forward. And I, I know this happens a lot now with radio. I almost look forward to the mistakes. You know, right. how can I get out of this? And if I don't get out of it, if that's awkward, I kind of look forward to that too. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And we're talking about guys putting a, you know, a puck in a net, getting a right. ball over a line, a, uh, another ball over a fence. I mean, come on, uh, don't take things so seriously. So though, though I think for, for myself, I'd like to see more broadcasters, more sportscasters like that. But yeah. I, again, I'll harken back to, uh, to Letterman and Carson and those guys and, and Regis Philbin and just I just love love broadcasters like that where not everything's perfect. We we created our you blew it segment specifically love so it. that we wouldn't have to redo the final block of the show for the morning loop because Oh my god, that's brilliant. Right? Because we always yeah. would have to do it in the morning. So producer Tim used to be like, all right, we gotta go back and fix this and this and this. And we said, why don't we just say everything we, we got wrong at the end and then oh. it'll be a segment. And so, he said, okay, fine. And that's how, that's how that started. So it was really our laziness, our innate laziness that really led but to But it makes uh, for a better show, I guess, man. I look forward to that. I'd, and you know what? Uh, the NHL season um, had, had to be halted. And I, I'm telling you, Jay, there are times during a, a night, an evening around the Taylor household, um, and this is when the NHL season was going on. I don't know if you know where I'm going, but my boy's screaming at me because Scrum Lurkers is on. so that's so let me tell you a story about that and i appreciate you saying that Mm -hmm. so we have had recently a little um we had a little blowback about scrum lurkers from a certain market in our country i'm not going to say the market the certain market uh (laughs) and not even people working for us maybe competition Mm -hmm. uh let people working for us know that they didn't like scrum lurkers they felt we were making uh, reporters look bad. And I, you know, at first my initial reaction is, well, screw those guys. And then I always try to, as I get older and I have kids now, I'm kind of like, okay, let's see it from both sides here. Is am I possibly? And, um, and I guess I could see it, but it, to me, ultimately it goes back to how you approach sports, right? You, uh, you just said it, you know, we're talking about guys putting a puck in the net and we're just the guys telling you who put the puck in the net. And ultimately we're entertainers. But there are those among us who consider uh, sports journalism serious journalism. And I'm not taking away from serious sports journalists. No, I, no. I, I like them as much as probably anybody. And I, I always, Dan and I will say Rod Smith is our favorite broadcaster. He's not exactly, you know, the, the guy at the chuckle hut. Um, he's just a great broadcaster. <laughs> so I, I guess it was in, it's interesting to see a segment like Scrum Lurkers where it's, it's so positive. We get so much great feedback from it. And then we get, you know, one group that maybe doesn't like it. It makes you makes you realize, man, you really can't please everybody, and you shouldn't try to please everybody. No, no, that that, that that's that's key. But okay, a lot of the reason I think scrum lurkers work. Let let let, let works. Let let's be honest here. It, it it's it's an interesting looking group. Okay. Yes. It is. Like, yeah. <laughs> let's be honest i mean i don't think biff henderson or larry bud melman are popular amongst letterman viewers you know if they look like um you know bert convey or right, exactly or, warren or, Beatty or something yeah, thank like you that. okay yeah. exactly <laughs> so it's an interesting looking group they're they're really intense at the time it's it's tremendous visually and it it just works you know i mean yeah. look hey, look listen I mean, I'm, I talked earlier about my, you know, my five head and the hair and all yeah. that. 
that and, and all that. And uh, you don't want to make fun of the way I look and maybe the way I look uh, worked for television. I don't know how you feel about the way you and Dan look. Uh, both handsome guys, if you ask me. But sometimes well, visuals but... work in sometimes visuals work in television. You know. Well, and that's it. That's it's what I think what makes rumblers. It's it's a visual. I think it's just it, it, it with television. And for me, I always try to pick out the things that if I'm at home, I would comment on. So if it's a if when we were watching scrums and you could start to see that the scrums, especially in Toronto, had gotten so big, not just oh, Toronto, but every Canadian NHL market had become <laughs> so big that the guys had to come around around the athletes in the back. And so when you start to see that, then you start to see the facial expressions and the seriousness. And uh, the thing Dan always talks about is anytime an athlete in a scrum makes a joke, the volume of laughter increases exponentially depending on how good the athlete is. So if the athlete is a great athlete, <laughs> even if it's not funny, the yeah. volume is up off the charts. If it's a, a tweener, not so much, but it, it was all the things about a scrum that just, and we've all been in scrums and we've all been there. Everything about it, the hierarchy, the way they work, wow. uh, you know, the acquiescing to the older guys, just to get a dumb clip. Uh, it just, it's ripe to be made fun of in my opinion. And, and it's in a very a good natured way because everything we've ever done has is, is honestly been good natured. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, uh, some of the, the funniest things for me have happened in, in, in scrums. 94 Stanley Cup final. Uh, did you ever make it out to Rye, New York, where the Rangers used to practice? At, no, at I never did. Okay, no, I so never did. The, the Rangers practiced there for years and years and years, and it was this little arena, minor hockey arena, in, in a at a C&E type, uh, or in, if you're in Vancouver, at a P&E type setting. Right. It was a Ferris wheel. Uh, you had to right. You know, find in order to find the arena you know you know <laughs> scooters that sort of thing a anyway uh, candy floss the mike keenan's office <laughs> mike keenan's office at the time could not have been smaller like it was right. half a closet and it's the stanley cup final it's new york it's a canadian market there are i think three billion reporters in this room right. and during one i don't know after what game it was but a giant fight uh, broke out um, I don't know how we got on this subject, but bear with me here. <laughs> so a, a giant uh, fight breaks out, and it's between a cameraman and a reporter, not working for the same company. But I guess there was some jostling going on. You, you've been. Right. Oh, yeah. So oh yeah. It's massive. I mean, it breaks out. They're fist flying. Keenan stops everything, leans back in his chair, puts his hands <laughs> behind his head, and, and just laughs and enjoys the scene. It, hockey was different <laughs> back then, right? So I'll just... <laughs> That was all because of a scrum. It's a weird situation to get into. Your competitive juices get going in a scrum. And like you say, sometimes you have to go around the uh, interview subject in order to get, in order to hear anything. But Jay, I will say this too. You know, guys like this, when we did sports page, I know for a fact that we had reporters going in behind our camera just to get on TV that night. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> they they exactly. wanted to be on TV that night. So some That's of those right. guys, maybe that, that are complaining, maybe they actually want to be on television. Maybe they want to be yeah. on Scrum. Yeah, maybe that maybe secretly we're not featuring them enough on Scrum Lurkers. That makes so <laughs> yeah. much sense to me. That That's makes so much sense to me. And then the other side of it is throughout this uh, pandemic, people have pointed out that um, 
Well, of course, with the Zoom, the way the NHL is doing all the media stuff now with the Zoom scrum workers, it's it's gone. So we have a new segment. This is like a preview. We have okay. a new segment coming to the to the studio show. I don't want to give it away, but let's just okay. say we're going. It's like you work with what you got, right, Don? And so we're going to work with these Zoom these Zoom scrums, and we're going to make another segment that you and your boys will hopefully enjoy. Oh, that's, can't that's wait! The word looking for. Can't wait. Um, now. Uh, Really quickly, before I let you go, um, you, you're Barry McDonald. The first time I saw him on television, I, I said, man, that guy is smooth. Like, he was just silky smooth. Uh, there's something about a smooth broadcaster, which I am not, and, yeah, I, and Dan is not, and I think you and I are we're kind of in this category. Yeah. And I remember seeing Barry and thinking, man, this guy was born for this. This is incredible stuff. So was it, um, it, I imagine it would have been kind of neat to have, having been with Barry on sports page and then suddenly doing radio together again. Oh, uh, it's just uh, amazing. Uh, he's one of my best friends, not only in the business, uh, but in life. I love the guy. He's, um, you mentioned smooth. I think some people think of him as a real straight broadcaster, but he is one of the funniest people I know. And I think his humor comes through way more on radio than it does right. on, on television. So doing a, a show uh, with him, uh, just a just an absolute pleasure. Just lo lo love working with him. A real funny guy, and he gets there. Any old reference I have, he gets. So that's important, too. <laughs> so for you, um, you could just keep doing this forever if you wanted to. Like, I was, Dan and I was talking about, like, how long are we going to keep doing doing this stuff? I don't know. What do you hmm. think? Well, how long should we keep doing this stuff? I don't know. I, I, it's uh, Well, you guys are still young, but... Um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's their days. Of course, I'm sure you have more. It's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm, I'm done. I, I, I can't do this anymore. And then I'll go to bed that night and go, what the hell am I talking about? I do have the best job in the world, don't I? Next to being yeah. a rockstar pro athlete. Um, right. there's that. So I, I don't know. I don't know. There's some, some, most days though, I realize just how great it is. And it's funny. I was Jay. just going to say, I don't, I don't know how you feel, but I, I, I often feel that, um, in fact, I always feel this, that going on the air is the easiest part. It's everything right. leading up to it. It's everything. Yeah. It's getting ready for a show, uh, getting prepared for a show, uh, having to watch games. Not that I don't love that. Uh, having to be up on everything. That, that sometimes maybe could get you a bit. Although you think about it, it's pretty cool. But going on the air is by far the easiest part. At least it is for me, and I think it is for uh, Dan and yourself. So uh, I agree. More leading up to a show that kind of gets to you. But other than that, I couldn't ask for any more. And you, and you just said something that resonated. Sometimes I need to remind myself, and we all need to remind ourselves, how cool our jobs are. Yeah. Like the fact that we're talking about sports uh, for a living and, and lots and lots of people who are watching us are, are working way harder than we are in way more medial, tough jobs. And, um, wish they could be doing what we are. And I, and I remember growing up and watching what was our version of sports page was sports night. And it was with yeah. Dutchie and Perry. And yeah. of course, Perry's out in right. Vancouver now. And, and it was, you know, I remember watching those guys and just thinking, well, this is what I have to do. Like this is <laughs> this, they are literally, they seem like they're having the best time at their job. And, yeah. and I came to realize later that, that Dutch and Perry, they were not, uh, not, uh, not friends, but they just weren't super close. They were just, co-workers so they yeah. even made that chemistry look amazing as just a couple of guys just working together you know yeah, it's weird how that works I, I, and i've had the same experience with other other people pratt for instance where i'm not right, right. Close, 
We're super close to the person, but on the air, we're fine. I, okay, I'm, I'm going to go way back uh, uh, again here, I, but I don't feel that bad because I've already mentioned Bert Convy. So, um, right, right. Yeah. So I always remember hearing about uh, the Oakland A's of the early mid 70s who were just a powerhouse Reggie Jackson and Vida Blue and Joe Rudy, all these wonder catfish hunter, all these wonderful players. Well, I, I found out reading Sports Illustrated that they just hated each other. They right. couldn't stand each other, but they used to go on the diamond and make beautiful music together and win, yeah. you know, three World Series in a row and set records. And, uh, you know, they were groundbreakers in terms of landing giant contracts elsewhere. And that, that always kind of stuck with me. And I always think that it's it kind of relates to what we're doing. Like sometimes people can be completely magical together on the air but not not get along and i guess that again goes for any any job yeah i think you're right i think you're right well listen don we're gonna let you go uh go hang out with your beautiful wife and your sons just hang out maybe uh maybe pratt's coming over for dinner maybe b max mm. coming over maybe yeah, I'll be, I'll leave coming over. yeah <laughs> <laughs> they'll be gone they'll yeah. be there, they'll yeah. be there. Yeah. but honestly <laughs> It was a real. It was really a pleasure just to to hang out and talk with you for a little bit. This is uh, this is really fun. Jay, uh, you and Dan are, are the best in the business right now, and I'm, I am just saying that because I'm talking to you right now. Yeah, but, yeah, fair uh, enough. <laughs> but no, <laughs> but but seriously, I think a lot of what we said. I, I when I watch your show, I think of our old show. I think of sports page. I think there's a lot of. Uh, our show and your show, whether that's on purpose or not, I, I kind of doubt it. But I, I, that's, I just I make a point out of watching you guys every night. I just think you're absolutely, absolutely wonderful. You just do a great job, and uh, uh, you're not cookie cutter. Let's put it that way. You guys are the best. Thank you, my friend, and that and that means so much to me as someone who, uh, who you know, I I think there is a tie to the half hour global. So, you know, the CKVU sports shows that were all across the country to those of us who are lucky enough to have watched them. Uh, they were so influential to us. And obviously, Nabil felt the same way. Yeah. Uh, I, and I feel, right? can I, let me just say this, because I know there's a lot of Toronto people who listen to you. Uh, we were affiliated back in the 80s with Sportsline in Toronto. Right. Jim Caddy and Mark Hebsher were, were big influences. They were hilarious. Oh, yeah. They were, oh, they yeah. were just great to watch. And I, I, I miss those days. It was a lot of fun. It's, it's funny because those are two, that's a great example of a couple of guys who were maybe not as close off camera, <laughs> but man, you watch them on camera and it was perfect. Yeah. Oh. Jim was super straight and just a classic straight man. And Hebsey was, you know, a crazy guy, but they really knew their stuff. And they were, it was almost like everybody, you know, you, and and Rambo and everyone who's in Vancouver, like I was like, everyone was perfect for their market. Dutchy was perfect for Edmonton. He had the mullet. It was flowing. It was great. Yeah. Uh, Mike Mike Toth was great for Calgary. Calgary. Just yeah. Calgary, right? So everybody was great in their markets, and it just worked out. And uh, yeah, it was. It's just. It's been so uh, nice to talk to you because I've I've uh, I've wanted to. You know, it's it's like so. So the next time in Vancouver. I'm just going to call you up and like, we can just go to Tojo's or some cool place like sure. that. Like, like somewhere that you're Pratt's on the house. guest list. Oh, there you go. Pratt's yeah. house. We'll just show up at Pratt, which is the shark club. As far as I understand. <laughs> That's right. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> it's the yeah, hotel it's above the shark club. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, uh, okay. take care and a continued success. Yeah. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you very soon. Thanks very much. Thanks Jay.
Take care, Donnie. What a guy. What a guy. Isn't he great? A lot of great stories. Yeah, like he's just such a cool dude. <clears throat> it's actually really, it's going to sound a little corny, but it's actually kind of uh, amazing that he, that he watches us every night and feels that way because he, <clears throat> he's such a pioneer in what we do, you know, in the highlight shows and stuff. So the fact that he approves in some way to the point where he watches with his sons is about the nicest compliment we could ever possibly get. Absolutely. Uh, that's for sure. So um, you may be wondering if you're still listening to this point, are we going to have Mike Toth on? And we're not going to have Mike on. Um, I did reach out to Mike uh, at a reliable uh, way of reaching out to him through a mutual friend of ours. I was told that maybe he would get back to you in a couple of days if he did it all. He did not. And that's totally fine. That's totally acceptable. Whatever uh, Mike's feeling about me or, you know, if he has negative feelings toward me, it really doesn't change the way I feel about him, uh, how much I, I love the guy, how much I consider him a friend, and uh, how much I enjoyed getting to know him back when I was really starting out in the newsroom. He was really kind to me. And <clears throat> he was, you know, a lot of the things that Don and I were talking about there, you know, unique personalities, people who are different, uh, really showing themselves on TV. You know, Mike was all those things and more, of course. And, but he was really different, you know, off camera, the story I always tell, and I think he, I think I might've said this in, in my book and he may have gotten mad about it, but I do remember Mike, like always saying, they're not paying me for, to do, to get ready for the show. They're paying me for the show. So whatever I do, getting ready for the show is my own business. So Mike would often write the show in half an hour and then go to a movie across the street at the Scarborough town center and then come back and do the show. And some people thought that was weird. And I, I said, no, they, this guy's a pro. He knows exactly what he's doing. And he brought something unique to it. So I'd love to talk to him someday. But if it doesn't happen, that's okay. I hope he's in a good place. And I hope he and his family are doing well. Um, you know, it made me think too, stuff. You know, Donnie at the end there talking about Hebsey and Taddy. Like we should, you know, we should get Hebsey on here. Because I think for so many people, obviously in, in the Ontario market, you know, Hebsey's such a legend. Taddy's such a legend. They both, Batman, yeah. Taddy's been on with us before. Taddy's been on with us. So, but we haven't had Hebsey as far as I know. I don't think we've had Hebsey. So, um, so I'm going to reach out to Mark Hebsher. Maybe that'll be next week. That'd be awesome. Stop. We're just killing it on this thing. We're just booking ahead like we never used to. Hit after hit. We used to text each other at about, we tape at about 9 p.m. on a Monday. We used to text each other at about, 847 and say who do we got and we would all be drawing a blank no that's not entirely true but you know what i'm saying we're we're, we're prepping a bit we're growing <laughs> we're evolving we've grown yeah <laughs> in the pandemic i'm proud um uh what else can i tell you we're back in studio on the tv show this sunday and then remains to be seen what we're going to do with the podcast we may keep doing it from home we haven't decided yet we may not decide. It's still up in the air. Yeah, still up in the air. We may, we may do it in the studio. We may do it from home. We'll we'll figure it out. But uh, either way, we really appreciate you guys listening. Um, I've really enjoyed doing these podcasts. Missing uh, missing our buddy for sure, but he's going to be back very soon. Oh, and one more thing. I don't think off the top of this podcast that I mentioned our sponsor McDonald's. And in this day and age. Uh, boy, a good sponsor is, is a, an amazing thing. And McDonald's has been amazing to us. So 
thank you, McDonald's. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep delivering those delicious Big Macs to everybody across the country. And thanks for sponsoring the podcast and thanks for sponsoring us on the TV show. That's it for us uh, this week. Uh, maybe Hebsey next week. We'll see if he's available. Um, until then, uh, stop. Have a good week, buddy. You too, bud. Bye-bye. to the Jay and Dan podcast brought to you by our friends at McDonald's James Duffy presents the rubber boots podcast so we're sitting down at our table the, the waiter comes up and he's like profusely sweating <laughs> and this is like 100% his first line to us he goes hello I am not well <laughs> I'm very ill. <laughs> you ate there? I came down with it yesterday. I've just not been good. Not good at all. Get it at tsn.ca and anywhere you get your podcasts.